Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. You're back in the House of Mystery and we are at the interview part of the show. Uh, Joining us today is a very uh, personal story. It's uh, Stephen Sackey who's written a book called Savage. It's a journey through the opiate epidemic. So uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Stephen, let's talk about this. So this is this is uh, really kind of um, a very personal experience for you that you've written in this book. Um, what was it that made you actually write this book? I always wanted to be a writer. I, I would say like the, the seed was planted when I was about 18 years old. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, yeah. adapted from Hunter S. Thompson's book. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first I see the movie, and I'm like, wait a minute, this guy does drugs and he writes books? So i got to like read up on this. So I read all his books, and I was like, well, I-, I can do that. And, you know, it turns out that on drugs I really can't write for anything because I'm just all over the place. But once I finally got sober, the, the-, the final thing was before I got sober this last time, my girlfriend at the time, she was dumping me, which more or less was one of the reasons why I got sober. But as she's dumping me, there's a, there's a Barnes & Noble. So we walk inside, I, we, we get coffee, and I just start spewing useless information about uh, authors like William Burroughs and all this. And she's like, are you, like, well-read? I'm like, yeah, I, I used to read a lot, actually. Well, you know, once upon a time, I wanted to be an author. And then I said, hey, I'll tell you what, if I become a best-selling author, will you take me back? She's like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> she didn't, but but you know I wrote the book anyway. 
<laughs> well, I imagine you might replace uh, replace her with with some other one. So I think you'll be all right. Yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, but you know, um, but what made you choose um, such a personal subject? Like th- this is really about your life, and this this um, you have to open yourself up to a lot of people, and with the current world and and the way so- social media and stuff, you you do something like this. Um, you know, it could it could get it, you could get a lot of feedback that maybe isn't so pretty. So, uh, what was it about this subject that you wanted people to understand? Well, first off, it's just the easiest story for me to write because I mean I could probably come up with some kind of fiction, but this one would just be easier for me to write down. And you know, I I thought about that like painting myself in this light and letting the world know who I am. And I just decided to roll the dice and just own it. And hopefully, and so far from the feedback I've gotten, is that it could be helpful to other people that suffer from similar afflictions. And to say you were an open book in this one is quite an understatement. You you didn't really let, you were, pretty much put everything on the table. I mean, you even admitted to, like we were talking before, uh, liking in sync. So honesty, obviously, is not going to be an issue for you. And, and there's this quote that uh, there's this quote that really struck me. Um, you said that there's something poisonous in my soul that ran deep. You mind expanding upon that one a little bit? Like, what did you, what did you mean by that? Well, I mean, I was a pretty troubled kid. I mean, I... I'd be listening to Black Sabbath and uh, almost wor- worshiping Satan. Like, I really didn't have any moral lines that I wasn't willing to cross, like, at all. If, if, if you had something I wanted, I took it, and I didn't question it. So, there was, there was there's just, like, this mischievous entity, more or less, inside me, and it's still kind of there a little bit, just not so, so much. I, I'm mischievous. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, you see, kind of born with uh Well, you know, I guess us New Yorkers were were, were mischievous, mischievous to begin with, but uh, you know, I think that's you, you know, you say it was kind of in you, but you know, the image of a uh, drug users, what I think most people have, and then what you are, your actual background is probably actually vastly different. Like you didn't really come from a, a bad family or anything like that. What I think most people would probably think drug users are, right? Yeah, no, I, 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 like I said in the book, I, I looked like a GQ magazine model. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher, right? I think was the was the one that you pointed out. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> this this book seems to really um, cover your journey through the uh, opioids and the, the whole epidemic and stuff. What do you think people in in mainstream society that don't really they're not having this issue, or they're not part of this. They just see it on the news. What do you think everyone gets wrong about it? Um, well, I'm not so sure that there's nobody that's attached to it at all. I feel like everybody has at least one family member or one close friend that they grew up with that got into it. And one thing that people get wrong is that... Um, I mean, maybe I am, but, but most of us aren't really inherently bad people. We didn't wake up one day and say, I want to be addicted to this. In fact, a lot of us, if we would have known that what, because a lot of us started, at least in my neighborhood, we started on pills, 
if we knew that it was practically synthetic heroin, we probably wouldn't have done it. We would have just stuck to the other stuff. Right. Yeah. Is there a point when, like, because you're, you're a young guy, you're out there having a good time, you're, you're partying and you're drinking and you're doing drugs and stuff. Where, when was the point that you, what was it in your life that, that made you go, oh, my God, um, I've got, I've got a problem? Um, well, I always knew I had a problem. I, I really wasn't in denial about that. I just didn't care. It wasn't until this last time when I got sober that I really started to care. I lost a good girlfriend, and then two days after she she left me, um, I showed up to my niece's birthday party. She's 10, and I was a disaster. And I dropped a bag of heroin but in my cousin's driveway, and... It was wrapped with something with my name on it. So there was no, like, plausible deniability. It's like I'm such a mess that, like, I, I love those girls more than anything, and I can't even get it together to show up to their birthday party, like, straight. And then a couple days after that, I tried, all right, I'll just drink. I got drunk. I hit on some guy's girlfriend right in front of him. He punched me in the face, and it's just like, all right, that's, that's it. I just cannot do this safely anymore. So what did you find yourself doing um, on drugs, let's say, that you kind of felt out of control when you look back on? I start fights a lot. And I'm not even like some big tough guy, you know. I'm, I'm pretty skinny, but like I would always just, if someone just said something in a way to me that I didn't like, I'd start a fight with them. I'd always be looking to steal something. Yeah. And I was very irritable. Like, people would, would just try and be nice to me, and I would just start an argument over nothing. There's a lot of moments through writing it where I was just, like, cringing. Like, I can't believe I used to think that way. Yeah, that's kind of where the title of your book comes in, Savage. It takes on multiple meanings, how you were savage and, um, and, and kind of in the way that you were just explaining. Um, and, and in the book, you know, to feed your drug habit, you gotta get you got to get money, obviously, um, and you got to keep getting it. And you were coming up with... Uh, a ridiculous amount of, of pretty actually smart schemes. I mean, they were pretty low, lowly, um, but they were smart nonetheless. So, I mean, what, what do you think was the worst thing that you ever did under on drugs? Well, probably the worst thing I ever did was was stealing from my my mother. But um, when you talk about the creative things, I think of the restaurant bandit chapter where I would dress up as a maitre d in a shirt and tie. And I would walk up to tables in a restaurant if there was no servers paying attention. I'd make sure that the, I would hang out by the bar a little bit. I'd, I'd scope out the place. And if I saw someone paying in cash, I'd walk up to the table and be like, how was everything tonight, folks? Good. Do you need any change? They'd be like, oh, no, it is all yours. And, you know, I walk out with it. And I, I almost, I did this for six months straight, Sunday through Saturday. I feel like Governor Cuomo now just holding the restaurant industry completely hostage. Because I was on the news, they were looking for me. I was more of a mystery to them than D.P. Cooper. Luckily, this was uh, this was uh, like 12 years ago, so the statute of limitations are, are, are over. I looked into it. <laughs> I got away with it scot-free. Wow. That, that's crazy. 
Yeah. Uh, and you also, honestly, you also might be the the kind of like the luckiest son of a bitch on earth, uh, the dumbest, but definitely the luckiest also at the same time with some <laughs> of the stuff that you had. I mean, I think the one thing was when you were running from the cops, you uh, um, you jumped onto subway, sta- you know, subway rails and was between cars and or underneath cars, and, and you didn't oh, like you know, went, electrocute I went, yourself. You know? <laughs> I went under the train. <laughs> yeah, tell, go, go into that story running. a little bit. Well, what happened was I, I was drinking on the train. Now, usually I was smart enough, like if I was drinking publicly, I would put it in a coffee cup. But the Irish side of my family was over, so I was already inebriated when I left my house. And I get on the train, there's two metalheads, and I'm getting into an argument over them because I'm more passionate about spandex wearing uh, 80s metal bands. And they were like with Metallica and... Megadeth, and I'm trying to explain to these kids that Motley Crue was really a little bit more hardcore. I mean, if you look into, like, their personal lives. So, you know, they're just rolling their eyes at me, and this old woman, she looked mortified. I know for a fact that she was the one that called the, the police, because this, this officer, he knew exactly where to find me. I was in the second-to-last car. So he pulls me out, he tells me to sit down, and then he goes to the last car to see for like more delinquents or something so i said to hell with this guy and i just started running but then there was another cop with at the other uh exit and he's just waving at me thinking he's cute so i look around and i realize i could squeeze under the cars where the two cars meet there's like enough opening that i could crawl underneath so i crawl underneath and then i start running towards the other train station and i'm thinking i'm not looking back i'm just i'm just booking it and i'm thinking that that uh, they, they see that I ran uh, in the direction that I ran. So there's like this wooded area. I can't go completely through. Like I'm, I'm not free because there's a big fence with barbed wire at the top. But I dive into the bushes, the thorny branches that look like I got into a fight with Wolverine. <laughs> and then I look behind me and they think that I'm hiding under the car. They didn't realize that I popped out on the other side. So they're there with flashlights and they're like, who is this guy, Houdini? <laughs> they held the train for an hour and I just sat there and laughed at them and then when they left I started going up the tracks and I was trying to like find a way out that wasn't without going all the way to the next train station because I was fairly confident they'd be waiting for me there so there was this plaza that they were uh, they were building and I hopped the fence over there there was an overnight guy I told him the story, and he was just like, man, you run in front of the police? Why ain't you just say so? And I just waited for my friend to pick me up. <laughs> and I think the whole time when you were waiting in the bushes, you, you said you were like you were blowing coke looking at them, I, I think, you know, one thing you mentioned. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's where the dumbass part comes in also. <laughs> yeah, that's why I ran, because, uh, you know, like public drunkenness, that's just like a summons. But if they would have found the coke, then I was going to jail. And <laughs> I really didn't feel like going, so I ran away. I, I snorted that while I was waiting for them to finally give up their search, and uh, yeah, here we are. <laughs> but the best is that I found that, that, that cop again. See, he's not a real cop. He's a metro cop. They deal with, like, the um, the train stations and all that. I had an issue with this guy even before that because my brother, when he was 17... In high school in New York, they give you these uh, student metro cards. So, like, you know, right. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. And the bus and the subways is free for you. But he turned 17, he got his car, so he didn't need it anymore. And I was commuting into the city for work every day. So I'm like, give me your student metro card. Boy Scout metro cop sees me doing it, he confiscates. <laughs> then the next time I see him is the train incident. Then years later... I run into him again. I did this crazy maneuver driving, and he wanted to give me a ticket. I talked my way out of it, but as he's handing me my license, he's like, you look kind of familiar. I'm like, ah, I just got one of those faces. And with a, with a stroke of luck, he finally realized who I was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so when you look back at it all, what, what, what do you think? Did you have any terrifying things happen to you? Oh, probably the overdoses. The, uh, the, not so much the first one, because I was just in a in a weird headspace. And um, but the the second one, like for some reason, it took two Narcan shots to wake me up. And just like the feeling I felt when I woke up was just like it was it was pretty spooky. I didn't have like a white light near death experience or anything like that. But just the way I felt when I woke up was just scary. It's like I knew that I came this close to dying. 
Is is that what you finally got? Got you onto the path? No. No, no. Uh, my thinking after that was like, all right, well, I won't do heroin, but I'm still going to drink. <laughs> but then I would get too drunk, and then I would do it again anyway. Wow. So, so, what did you actually do? How did you get off? The drugs, because it says here that you were sick and tired of things, and and uh, but you had lost faith of ever being able to quit. So what what was the turning point? Like what what made you do it? Like as in, how did you do it? Well, I I had been to detox and rehab plenty of times, but I had been through them enough to know that I I didn't need it anymore. I knew that I wanted it bad enough. I just went to 12-step meetings and kind of kicked cold turkey. And also, I didn't have any health insurance, so I just I just kind of just, you know, manned up and went to meetings and stayed on the path. Hmm. So what do you what do you think of the the then is what do you think of the justice system as it goes toward drugs in the states? Um do you think how, how could it be changed where uh, people would have a better chance of getting off rather than just doing uh, what you did. Well, I'm not really too emotionally attached to, to what they do either way, but it seems like decriminalization would be better because if you look in Amsterdam, they, they'll they call you a junkie if you smoke weed too much. They really don't have much, like as far as the citizen, they don't, they're not really, once you take away that taboo, and the criminality of it, it's not as prevalent. Like tourists, they'll go there and they'll get blitzed, but for the most part, the citizens don't really have the kind of issues that we have. Right. No, I agree with that. I've, I've got that European-Canadian background, so a lot of things like heroin are not, they're not criminal anymore. Um, and, and it's better to put the money in helping someone than just arresting them. It doesn't do anything, you know. Um, yeah, I know it's a scary thought for a lot of people to try that here, but we know how the other way works, you know? Yeah. Well, it doesn't make any sense because um, why arrest someone just because they've got cocaine or heroin? Arrest them if they're doing something wrong, you know, assaulting someone or, or killing people and and stuff like that. But to actually do the drug, I, I don't get why that should just be a, a, as long as you're old enough. You know, six-year-olds doing it, but, wow, it's crazy. Well, it seems like we're kind of going into that direction state by state. Yeah, it's slow. 20 years from now, it'll be totally different. Well, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully a lot of things will be. But, you know, we have to wait and see. Wait and see. So what do you want What do you want people to get out of the book? So it's, if someone wants to buy your book, pick it up, and they read it, what do you want them to take home after they've read it? Uh, that recovery is possible uh, like the most important thing for me like from like um i don't know a sentimental standpoint is that like hopefully someone who's struggling could read this and be like all right i can do it but my main thing is that they laugh because i want it to be funny uh, yo you had some great stories in there i was i was i was bawling a few times uh, i think one story was with uh you ended up uh doing drugs with uh woody harrelson's brother um, you know, and I lived in L.A. also. Um, so when you kind of live there and you go into Hollywood, you can't not 
see pretty much a celebrity. I mean, did you ever end up uh, getting high with anyone with any other famous people? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I was high around famous people, but he's the only one I got high with. And um, you know, kind of trailing back to to what Alan was saying before, and um, you know, you you've mentioned a few of the uh, despicable acts that that you have done. You know, you're talking about stealing from your mom and. I don't want to talk, you know, let the listeners know some of the other stuff. I'll let you speak for it, but some of the other stuff was pretty, was pretty, was pretty rough. Maybe even worse than that, actually. Um, do you think, kind of a two-part question? Do you think you could ever make up for those despicable acts? And you know, what type of regret level do you have now? Uh, well, I don't lose too much sleep over it. I, what's done is done. I don't think I could ever make amends for everything in my lifetime, even if like. You know, I, I gave up every penny that I made. I, I don't think I'd ever catch up. But we'll see how the book sales do. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> how are you making amends now, these days? Well, I haven't really done many financial amends. but um, And a lot of the people I would have to make amends to are, are dead or uh, there's just no way of finding them. So my thing is once... Once I can afford to make some financial amends, I'm probably going to donate it to a children's hospital because adults don't really deserve anything. <laughs> I got a soft spot for kids. So, yeah, because usually what we do in 12-step in groups is if we can't make, let's say, like, we stole 100 bucks from somebody and that guy's dead, you would donate it to a good cause. St. Jude's Children's Hospital, that's where I would put it. Because I love kids. Wow. Uh, kids and animals. The innocent. <laughs> and, and hopefully you don't yeah. have any out there with all the drugs that you've done. I, uh, hopefully, you know, there are some nights I'm sure you don't remember. Oh, uh, no, I, I, I would know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where do you want to see yourself in 10 years? Where do you want to go with this now that uh, you've turned the corner? Well... I once explored stand-up comedy a few years ago, and now that I understand how the creative process really works, because I was mostly winging it. The first show, I did pretty good. Second and third, not so much. But now that I understand how the creative process works, I really want to get into that. And my ultimate dream is to just open up a restaurant, because I've worked in the restaurant business since I was a kid. I just, I love it. There's something about it that I love. I just don't want to wait tables. Well, I was going to say, you could just collect the money. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll help out, but, but really, I'm just hanging out. Yeah, no, I know. Um, well, that's pretty interesting. Wow. So, um, now, where is your book available? And do you have a website now for people who can come find you? Or No, not yet. I'm not really, like, computer literate. I'm learning as I go. But uh, the book is available on Amazon. You would type in Savage, Stephen with a P-H, Zachy, S-A-C-C-H-I. And then it should come up. It's the one, it's the big red book with a needle on it. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to have that on our website as well. You know, so anybody that listens, they can just do one click and they'll find you. And uh, that'll be up for quite a while, a couple of years. So that'll, that'll help out, hopefully. Wow. I appreciate that. So um, are you going to, you're going to keep on writing, do you think now, or? Well, I the, the, this woman that that uh, helped me edit it, she uh, suggested that I that I should, and 
at first I was going to like work closely with her on a fictional story, but I just I don't have the bandwidth for that right now cuz I'm trying to market the thing. So I'm not going to I'm not going to close the door on that completely, but there's just other things that I want to explore first. Yeah, it's a process. It, it 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 takes a lot of work to get things going and get things out there, especially if uh you're trying to do a lot of it yourself. That's uh it's a lot of it's a lot of work. Um so well, I'm having fun with it. What, I, what I'm doing on social media is, like, putting up funny videos and whatnot. In fact, today I just went to the city because I wanted to get a, a purple suit so I could dress up like the Joker and do all kinds of crazy Joker skits. Because every time I put up a funny video, I get, like, an influx of people saying, oh, I bought the book. <laughs> yeah, it, it all works. It's a it's a crazy world. Um, how... Uh, has has the the sort of the way the world is now, you know, COVID and all this stuff, has that sort of affected you any? Not really. I mean, uh, to, to tell you the truth, this uh, and and don't take this as me like um, uh, saying the wrong thing about COVID. I mean, my heart obviously goes out to the victims and the people whose businesses have been um, affected. But for me, it almost feels like a blessing in disguise. Because when I first got sober, I said to my best friend, I was like, listen, I'm going to write a book and either parlay the money from that or some other way, and I'm going to open up a restaurant. And COVID basically is like tailor-made for my dreams to come true because I was struggling to find the time to finish writing it. And then once quarantine hit, I was able to finish. And... Also, here in New York, the, they're closing down all the restaurants, so all my competition, if I open up a restaurant, is gone. <laughs> yeah, you know, things work in weird ways, don't they? Yeah, I, I, I feel like with every setback, there's always an opportunity for success. Yeah, yeah well, for sure. You just yeah. got to look at it the right way. Yeah, you got to look for it and find it and work it, you know, so... You, what, what's your influences? Do you have any influences right now or anybody you want to, that um, sort of uh, has helped you out? As far as the, with the writing? Yeah, with the writing, with your life, just any, anybody that you, you kind of look to right now and go, wow, that, that, this person really helped me. Like Nikki Six from Molly Crew, uh, <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson, and definitely William Burroughs. I loved that book, Junkie. And uh, yeah, as far as writing, I think I think that would that would be it. I mean, there's other there's other authors that I've read and like things that like not stealing from them, but just like I could feel like an influence coming from them all. Right. It's uh it's probably yeah. been a minute since uh it's probably been a minute since someone said uh, Nikki Six and uh, William Burroughs in the same sentence. Uh, so uh, God bless you on that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, uh, Nikki, Nikki's uh, pretty amazing. He did so much of the writing and so much of the work behind that band that, uh, you know, he, you know, he was really the 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 soul of that band. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, when when I read the Dirt and the Heroin Diaries, that really like kind of solidified. I mean, I read it years ago, but it really like solidified like me saying to myself, "All right, I could do this. Not only get sober, but I could write about this experience." Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Well, this has been an interesting conversation, and I'm glad you had the time to to talk to us. Um, 
the book we're talking about is Savage. It's a, a journey through the opioid epidemic, and the guest has been C- Stephen Saki. Thank you for being here, Steve. Thanks for having me. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.